0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bull City Soccer Show. I am your host, Zach Weissner, and I am back. Uh, After a uh, couple months uh, off taking a break after the PDL season ended, I decided that I'm going to take a little break, um, get ready to do some more podcasting. Kind of once the college uh, soccer season ended, I decided that... I will go ahead and get all my interviews done with some college with some college soccer coaches after the season. Um, I wanted to do a couple before the season ended, or start before the season started, but by the time I could get all those lined up, it was already here, and the PDL season and WPSL season were in full swing still, and I was working with uh, North Carolina FC and NC Courage, so I didn't have... As much time available as I wanted to go ahead and get some uh, preseason interviews in. So I decided to hold off on that. Let's take a break. I can uh, keep up with school and work and I can get all those done after the season. So I already have a few lined up and this is my first one that I'm rolling out. Um, so my first interview, I was able to interview the uh, head women's soccer coach at Wake Tech Community College. Um, Waytech started their athletic department uh, several years ago. I think it's been about 10 years since they had just a couple sports. Um, Men's and women's soccer is one of the sports that they have. Um, The men's and women's team, just a little background information, they currently play their home games at um, Teen Park um, Soccer Facility uh, in downtown Holly Springs. Uh, That is actually where... Wake FC, uh, the youth club, plays. And that's where the uh, PDO and WPSL teams will be playing in 2019. So I was hoping that I could go out to a couple men's and women's games this year. But unfortunately, with the strict hours that um, the Wake Tech uh, college soccer teams are given, their games are in the middle of the afternoon, about 2 o'clock. And I am still um, in the you know, having class. So it was really hard for me to drive about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, depending on traffic over in the middle of the day while I have class going on. So unfortunately, I was not able to go too many to any games, but I was able to talk to Christopher Hanks, the head soccer coach over at Wake Tech. Uh, he provided some, Uh, Some pretty cool insight on what it is like being a head coach for a community college soccer team. Um, And Wake Tech is also very large. I believe it's one of the largest community colleges in the state, and they have many different campuses across Wake County, Um, so that was really cool to uh, listen to him uh, talk about uh, his experience. But before I dive into that or play that uh, interview, I wanted to uh, talk about um, some not breaking news. as it it's been a, a few. It's been about two weeks or so since some of these announcements have announcements have come up. But the starting off with the WPSL, the Charlotte Eagles um the charlotte lady eagles will be joining the wpsl in 2019 um the they are part of the charlotte eagles organization that is currently in the pdl or league two um so when i first heard that news i was super excited Um, i thought that was a fantastic opportunity um because the uh, lady eagles haven't been in a um, In a large league like this, in a couple years, I believe they used to uh, be—they used to play in the USLW league, and that league uh, hasn't been around for several years now. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but they haven't been—they haven't played in the in a standard league or national league uh, in several years. So they will be joining. Uh, many, many different uh, colored soccer teams, or Carolina teams, uh, uh, across the state. And this is also good news because now, if you uh, live in the greater Charlotte area, Charlotte now has um, several clubs. I believe the number is four. Yep, four teams in the greater Charlotte area. Um, now, the Eagles are the only team that are kind of within Charlotte. Um, But they are joining the uh, Lake Norman Eclipse, um, the Carolina Rapids, and the Rock Rock Hill Soccer Club. I'm sorry, Discovery Soccer Club, who play in Rock Hill. Um, So now that is four teams in the Greater Charlotte area. They're also joining the Lady Dynamo, Asheville City, uh, Wake FC, and Oak City United. So, those are the other teams uh, here in North Carolina that they will be joining. Um, And I will probably talk about some more uh, WPSL expansion news in another episode as well, since there has been more uh, expansion news coming out across the country. And now, some of the other news that I wanted to talk about. Um, Some sad news. Um, The Myrtle Beach Mutiny are uh, folding. Now, it's only the... PDL uh, team that is folding Um, so it seems like the uh, youth club Coast FA uh, who who owns um, the Myrtle Beach Mutiny uh, are kind of it seems to me like they're cutting off the funding for the Mutiny which is very sad because the Mutiny have have been a very strong uh, franchise here the past several years Uh, last year In the PDL, or sorry, the two seasons ago in the PDL, they were they won a new franchise of the year, I believe. And I think they also won that award, or maybe not that award, they won their division in the NPSL. If I don't, if I I could be wrong, I uh, believe that they won their division in NPSL. It's really hard to keep up with some of these things uh, over the years in the NPSL because they. NPSO doesn't really keep up with that type of, uh, with those type of statistics or anything. So, uh, But yes, they will be folding. So now that is one less team for the league, and that is one less team here in the Carolinas. Um, so very, very sad news. Uh, a sh- really strong franchise. They have produced um, some great uh, players from the Myrtle Beach area and just They have displayed a lot of local talent as well, uh, with uh, several players coming from Coastal Carolina playing for them in the summertime. So uh, it's very sad to hear that a team is folding, but we we do wish them the best. Alrighty, so now I am going to uh, play the audio for the interview that I had with uh, Mr. Christopher Hanks. So I hope you guys enjoy. Alrighty, so how did you get into soccer?
1: Uh, so I, I'm from New Hampshire originally, um, and soccer is not really a thing Mm -hmm. up in New Hampshire. Um, I don't know about the rest of New England, but New Hampshire is very like football, basketball, baseball, very American sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I never played through high school, middle school, high school. I ran track and cross country, um, played football, so I was I was an athlete, an overall athlete, mm-hmm. never really soccer specific, and then I got into I was accepted into Saint Joseph's College of Maine, which is a small D three school in um, Standish, Maine, mm-hmm. uh, and there they have a decent soccer program, um, and I had reached out to the the coach. Just you know, wondering about the soccer team, um, and he had reached out to me and, and seen, I we talked about like the things that I had done in high school athletically, um, and he said, you know, maybe you, you could find a place here. So he sent me the summer workout, and I went through that. And that was really the first time that I had like mm-hmm. done a whole lot with a soccer ball. Um, so going in, I ended up uh, going through tryouts and being on the team. And it was just not like never having been in soccer. um, I wasn't really prepared for the politics that are involved Mm -hmm. with soccer. Um, And so midway through the season, I was like, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I stepped back and I ended up swimming at St. Joe's. uh, And then I transferred to a school in New Hampshire, Plymouth State University. And I played football there. But that, at Plymouth State, was where I really got into soccer. the roommate that i was paired with he's a huge soccer player um he went and played he studied abroad in ireland um and played for the school team there while he was studying i studying abroad and you know, he and his friends always watched and i was like hey you know let's 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 watch together um mm-hmm. they played pickup all the time they did intramurals and stuff and so i started integrating myself into into that culture and Oddly enough, the Teeny Tiny Mountain College of Plymouth State in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire, has a huge uh, Middle Eastern population. Mm-hmm. And one of the best, it's my understanding that they have one of the best um, ESL programs in the country. And so a lot of uh, Saudi Arabian kids our families send their children to Plymouth State to go through that ESL program and so obviously with soccer being an international sport mm-hmm. and being huge in uh, the Middle East and all of that, bringing their passion for it, you know, my friends immediately struck up a crazy rivalry with the, the Saudi kids mm-hmm. it was just like the three years that I was there was, was back and forth and then I moved down here and it's kind of hard not to, mm-hmm. to be into soccer yeah. I think you live in the Triangle, it's everywhere
0: Alrighty, so then, from that transition, what got you into coaching?
1: I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. Um, I didn't necessarily know the sport, but mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to be a coach. Um, I got my degree in physical education and health, knowing that being a teacher in a in a high school in a public school automatically gives you the the right. To coach, Mm -hmm. Particularly as a PE teacher, you're expected to coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a couple of years to realize that the only reason I wanted to be a PE teacher was because I could coach Mm -hmm. and not uh, coach so that I could be a PE teacher. Um, And so this year is the first year that I've sort of been like, no, I'm going to go head first into it. This is going to be my full-time coaching job. Um, And so... I'm doing everything that I can to make this a legitimate thing. I'm getting my master's in soccer coaching education from Ohio university. Um, I'm licensed. I'm a D license. I have a D license at the U S soccer federation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in several colleges as I've been building my resume to get, uh, the tech women's job here. Um, but it was sort of just, I love teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I love soccer. I love sports, uh, and so marrying the two together, that is what a coach is—a mm-hmm. teacher of sport. So.
0: Okay, cool. So I know we discussed it off air, but your favorite club that you support? Liverpool. Um, so how did you, I guess, find Liverpool and decide that? That's the club you want to follow. Uh,
1: so, like I said, I, I wasn't really into soccer, or I. Soccer was not known to me for a long period, uh, a long time in my life. Uh, And then going to Plymouth State, it was soccer everywhere. That's Mm -hmm. just what my friends did. Uh, And so I remember watching the English Premier League and not really knowing uh, for whom I should be rooting, Uh, but I ended up seeing a commercial or a preview for an ESPN special that they did on Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, and I and I thought like that looks really cool. I'm gonna go. I mean that's a team I don't really know much about, so I went and bought the it's like a three disc set or something. And I sat there and watched it first episode, mm-hmm. and then just inhaled the rest of it. And I've been <coughs> I've been into Liverpool ever since so it was two thousand ten, um, and you know now I'm part of the the officially licensed. Um, supporters club the olsc raleigh uh, okay for liverpool and you know, i go to there, i have my little membership card mm-hmm. uh, we we went to the liverpool uh borussia dortmund
0: the icc tournament yeah okay yeah went
1: we went to that and the first year that i moved here in 2013 that summer they came and played ac milan mm-hmm. so i was like it's meant to be. Like I, I moved down here, and now all of a sudden I get to see them. Like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So my best friend from school, my roommate, came down, and we went together. Uh, he's a Tottenham fan, so I like giving him some crap for <laughs> yeah. uh, for him being a Spurs fan. Um, but yeah, it was it was that ESPN feature on Liverpool that really that really set me on the right course.
0: Awesome. Alrighty, so I know we just kind of discussed it earlier, but what is the recruiting process like for students that come here?
1: Uh, So for me, having the connections that I do have in Wake County, um, I worked in Wake County and Guilford County and Chapel Hill Carver City Schools um, and having coached at several several high schools and then colleges as well. um, Really, when I got this job, we didn't have a whole lot of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 12 that still had eligibility left, and I met with all of them and had conversations with them about what they thought about last season and where they wanted to see the program go and their goals um, and their aspirations for after afterweight tech. Uh, and I ended up cutting seven of them, um, leaving me with five, and obviously you can't have a soccer team with five, mm-hmm. So I really had to hop on my recruiting horse and being left... or being hired so late in the process a lot of players have either already committed or uh, decided that you know I'm not being committed or I'm not being uh, recruited so I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna soccer's over for me I'll go play club or intramural at my school and so they get Mm -hmm. into their preferred academic school so I really had to call on all sorts of favors to to talk to coaches and players and things and um Recruiting is one of the things that I love most about mm-hmm. coaching. Um, I love meeting with the players. I actually had two meetings with players today um, before before talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so bringing in people from all over the all over the state um, to come in and share with them our vision. Now that we have a vision, now that Wake Tech Women's Soccer has a vision and has an identity and has a culture, sharing that with them. Is exciting for me because mm-hmm. um, I feel like we finally have something to say here at Wake Tech um, and something that people want to hear, want to listen to. Um, and then I guess at, at a base level, it's kind of like playing FIFA. You mm-hmm. get to Go out yeah. and sign whomever <laughs> you want. You get to talk to whomever and build the build the team that you you want to see. Um, so I I, I enjoy mm-hmm. I enjoy recruiting.
0: So is it tough to? talk to players who maybe aren't wanting to go to a smaller school, but they've got accepted to go into a bigger school just for academics. Is it tough to try to pull them away from going to a, a big school to come continue to play or?
1: Uh, yeah. I, th- I think particularly when I was um, last year coming into the process, uh, that was huge. I was basically asking players to you know forego their their acceptance at their you know number one academic school to come and uh, play at a junior college mm-hmm. level for and for a lot of people, that's like they view that as a huge step back mm-hmm. um, particularly if they went to like a Powerhouse high School, which we have of which we have several in the area, Leesville and Green Hope and Fuquay and Holly Springs. Um, So asking those players to give up on their dreams and Mm -hmm. tell people, I'm going to Wake Tech instead of NC State or UNC, um, even if it is to do what they love doing, Mm -hmm. which is play soccer. um, I think for a lot of players, that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like that helps me in recruiting because that, that allows me to sort of separate who wants to be a college soccer player and who is okay just, like, calling themselves a soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um, I want players here that want to be here, that want, that need to get better, and they understand that it's not, like, an overnight thing. Like, you may have been a big fish in your tiny pond in mm-hmm. high school, but, like, when you go out and you want to play at, like, state or a four-year school anywhere at any level, D3 to, or NAIA to D1, um, like, you can't there are very few players in this country that don't need to get better Mm -hmm. to play at the four year level. And so we want players that recognize that wake tech spending a year or two at wake tech is a building block. It's, it's, it allows them to, to do a sort of, um, proof of concept. Like I'm, I can function at the college level. I can go to class and get good grades and balance work and balance soccer and balance the social life at the, the two-year level so I can absolutely make that step up mm-hmm. and, and hit the four-year level um, so yeah it's tough but at the same time I feel like it's a it's a strength as well mm-hmm. I get to I get to find those players that want to put in the work they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't think oh, I'm good enough they, they know that they need to be here for a reason
0: so what is the impact of having schools like NC State, UNC, and Duke here in the area as well?
1: I think it's twofold, back to what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I think having those schools negatively impacts us because a lot of people would rather you know, stop playing soccer and go to a state or Chapel Hill or a Duke, which are phenomenal schools. Um, I don't think you could find anybody who wasn't in their right mind he wasn't telling you the truth that it would be like oh, those are those are all right mm-hmm. um, so getting into a school like that even if it was just for academics like that's that's something anything can be proud of or mm-hmm. anybody could be proud of um, so kind of battling that having them put that off maybe for a year or two to come and play here and enjoy being a collegiate athlete and all of that uh, and getting their general education um, credits at an incredibly uh, cost effective mm-hmm. rate, as opposed to going to even in a state school where it's you know, five or six thousand dollars a year, like 12 credits here is only a thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. we are talking thousands of dollars in difference. And if you take out student loans to cover those costs, like down the road with interest and stuff, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, spending two years here getting 48 credits worth of. general education requirements that every bachelor's program on the face of the planet requires I think is a huge a huge benefit Um, but it's also great having them in the backyard because we're 15 minutes down Fayetteville from NC State Mm -hmm. so going having that high level of ACC soccer I mean an, an Uber ride away um is great. I think being able to <clears throat> recruit players who know that they're not at that level. But like saying, I mean, we're right down the street from state, like we live in a college town. Mm-hmm. The 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 nightlife, the the experience, you can get the college experience if that's what you want. Like moving to Raleigh, yeah, you go to Wake Tech if that's how you want to think about it. Mm-hmm. But if you really put yourself out there and you spend the nights in Raleigh and, you know, you make friends in other parts outside of uh, Wake Tech, like you can get as much of a college experience that's on the level of a state or Chapel Hill or a Duke that you want. You just have to be willing to go out and do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, So we talked about the courage earlier, but mm-hmm. what is it like having a professional women's team here in the area as well?
1: It's phenomenal. Like, there's, I mean, how many uh, professional team, professional women's teams are there in the country?
0: Nine.
1: Nine? So that's only nine places yeah. in the country that have that level, uh, that level of women's soccer. I mean, the MLS has been around for, you know, decades at this point. Um, but a, a viable product for women's professional soccer I mean it's relatively new uh, and seeing it skyrocket in popularity and be that viable option be, uh, be that place that you know the best women in the world the best players in the world want to come and be in this league in America I mean it's huge for mm-hmm. soccer and it's huge for us because you know there again 15-20 minutes down the road You go take the team out there to go watch them play. Uh, Having Wakeman Soccer Park, their home facility, uh, welcome as many different different games and tournaments and things like that as they do. Like I just was there last weekend, or not this past weekend, but the weekend before, to watch the ACC championship Mm -hmm. um, and watch FSU, And Virginia play each other, and then Clemson and UNC play each other, and those are huge programs. Mm -hmm. And having them all descend on our area, I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And having the courage be as incredible as they are, Mm -hmm. being the best women's, I would argue, the best women's program or the best women's team in the world, um, is like you can't not want that. You can't Mm -hmm. not like that.
0: So, working in college athletics, what is something that you think needs a change to get from the college game to get more players to become professionals?
1: I think that we as college coaches need to do a better job of balancing expectations. Um, I think what I, I at at Wake Tech, i I want the players to feel like they like this team means something to them like they're not just a player they're not just a number, they're not just a position like they their opinion, their play their thoughts, their ideas matter Um, and I think a lot I think there's a swing of uh, of coaching thought coaching education that's um, or swell of coaching education that's happening now where up and coming coaches are, are being brought into coaching uh, collegiate soccer, believing that the players matter and what they think matters and how they feel matters because they're the ones that are winning the games, they're the ones that are out mm-hmm. there scoring the goals or keeping clean sheets or whatever. Like me as a coach, I mean I can only do so much, they have to go out and if they're not enjoying their experience, we're not gonna get anywhere. Um, So I would love to see more coaches understand that it's a two-way street. Like I wouldn't have a team to coach if it weren't for the players, and the players wouldn't have uh, a team to be on if it weren't for me as a coach. Um, So recognizing that it's a symbiotic relationship rather than me being at the top of the totem pole and Mm -hmm. everyone else stacked below me.
0: Now, what is something that you would want to change about the college game? Because I know there's a lot of the, how short of the season is. People want to change that. And, and the way uh, time is kept in college soccer is different than professional games. So what would you want to change?
1: Uh, I think the largest thing would be the scheduling. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that in every level of college soccer from – the smallest NJCAA schools all the way up to, like, the Chapel Hills and the Dukes, mm-hmm. uh, the top programs in the country, um, being forced to play a schedule where you're playing, you know, two times, at least two times a week, um, and the travel and everything that's involved with that, the practicing, uh, I mean, it's like we're taking the kids... Uh, We're taking the players and and forcing them into almost a professional schedule, but still expecting them to be students and be kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, experience college. Um, So I would love to see. I know there's been a push. um, There have been groups that have uh, proposed to the NCAA um, spreading the season out over the fall and the spring so that you're only playing the one. It better mirrors the professional mm-hmm. game. Um, you're only playing one game a week, um, Wednesdays, Saturdays, whatever it is. Like, college football only has, you know, the one, like, Saturdays. Like, mm-hmm. that's what college football is Saturdays. High school football is Fridays. The NFL is Sundays. Like, that's that's your day. Um, and I think that having that one day a week that people could count on, knowing, like... As a student athlete, I always play that day. I always I know exactly what my my practice schedule is leading up to that. I don't have to kill myself studying six hours a night to make sure I get my to get A's and stay in my classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, spend three hours a week or three hours a day practicing and playing and traveling and and all of that, having it spread out a little bit more, particularly at this level, uh, at the NJCA level where they're not, this isn't a job for them and it shouldn't be. Uh, a lot of, a lot of my players work and they go to school and they love having a social life and they also love playing soccer and so balancing those four things, mm-hmm. there's only 24 hours in the day, only seven days in the week, there's only so much you can fit in and not burn the candle at both ends and go crazy. Um, I'd love to see it, to see it spread out. Plus it would, you know, it's fun to play games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> having, Having a full year or a full uh, academic year of playing games, I think it
0: would be nice. Other than having this giant nine-month dead season. Having games like every three days. Yeah. And yeah. Having to travel a bunch. So yeah. 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 Now, um, if you could change anything with U.S. soccer as a whole, what would you change? How much time do you have?
1: <laughs> um, I think. I think that U.S. soccer, and it's it's funny that this that you brought this question up, because um, I'm at, in my master's program. I'm taking a research class, um, and so we're we're being asked to think of things like this, that things in soccer that you know we don't think are functioning efficiently, uh, or we'd like to see change, um, or would benefit from a change, uh, and. One of the things that I've consistently thought about is how business-like soccer is in America. How it's it's very much in U.S. soccer. It's very much like a money-making endeavor, and it's not like that almost anywhere else in the world. Mm. Um, I mean, just looking at the Premier League, if we're just look at, if we're looking at professional leagues here. Um, I mean the owners they buy those teams to to be the owner of a, to be the owner of a team to like it's it's like having a car in your driveway like mm-hmm. you're not going to buy a Lamborghini to make money off of it you're not going to start a, a high-end Uber service though that might be a good idea <laughs> I don't know um, but like they buy these teams and pour hundreds of millions of dollars into these teams not to make money on the back end Uh, but just to be a part of that passion, be a part of something that they've loved their entire lives. Um, And I just don't feel like that's the case in America. Um, And that's at the professional level all the way down to the youth level. Like, I coach uh, in the NCFC youth program, and the NCFC youth used to be Castle. Like, that was, this is the biggest um, youth program in the state. Mm -hmm. the top three largest in the country Um, and it's great that they're doing all of this for for kids but it's super expensive and it prices out a lot of really talented players because it's a business it's not, they're not here to for the passion of the game like to be a part of the game and to put the best product out there it's the the most cost effective product Mm -hmm. Um, having a salary cap in a sport that globally mm-hmm. has never seen a salary cap before like it works for the NFL and the NBA and baseball cuz like there's not really any other viable option elsewhere in the world like the sports played but people want to watch the NFL and mm-hmm. watch the NBA and play in the MLB MLB but you know our best players they go overseas to Because they can make, even on low teams, they can make double what they're making here. Um, And then we're getting the the players at the end of their careers that are okay making, they've made hundreds of millions of dollars elsewhere Mm -hmm. and they come here because, you know, it's fun to play in America. And, you know, we we have a product and it is fun. uh, It's well-supported, or it's starting to be more well-supported. But, I yeah was a long-winded way the <laughs> of saying the, the, the business attitude in mm-hmm. soccer professional to youth level um, I, I, I'd like to see that change
0: so what does what role does the WPSL play in the women's game especially I think
1: it gives it, it gives something for players to, to strive for to, for for female players to strive for, um, so the men's the or the men's uh, men's sports in general, um, it's super tiered. There's you know stepping stones everywhere to get to the MLS or the um, NBA or the NFL or the MLB or whatever. Um, you've got farm teams and the USL and the PDL and. You know, also, USL2, and uh, well, which is the PDL, but um, in the women's game, there's like never, there has never been steps. It's either like when you graduate high school, you go to college, and if you're really good in college, maybe you go and play for your country. But generally, after college, if you were really good, um, you'd have to go overseas mm-hmm. if you wanted to continue playing, and so adding. A step that like a viable step here uh, in America to bring to keep the players here um, and to, to give them some pride playing in their country, for their country, a lot of them I um, think I think is, I think is, is important. Um, I'd love to see more tiers like that mm-hmm. added for the women's team um, obviously with a professional level with only nine teams in it kind of have to add yeah you got to add more teams out. first yeah you have to fill out that uh professional tier before you can start adding in the, the supporting mm-hmm. tiers uh, but i absolutely hope that that's that's developed and, and treated in the same regard as, as men's sports have been
0: mm. so all right so promotion and relegation do you think it will happen here in the united states
1: I don't think so. Just because of the whole business,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there. I mean, that would be a tough sell for for owners to. Because at this point, with a, a developed league that's been around forever, that would have to be something that was voted on by the owners and. Um, I mean, I feel like you. That would be a tough, tough sell. Because mm-hmm. moving down, a moving down a level. You're making millions and millions and millions of dollars less. Uh, Just, you could sell out the same number of games, but you're just, you're not. You're not the same money-making venture as before. So, I I, I don't think so. You don't think so? Um, Yeah, that would be... I I would love to, obviously, Mm -hmm. by adding, you know, the I would love to see USL teams be able to play really well and be able to move up, but... (laughs) That's <laughs> it's not gonna happen anytime soon, at least.
0: Alrighty, and one final question: Is there a team in that you support here in the states in MLS or USL, or, or do you just kind of watch whatever's on if you get the chance?
1: Yeah, um, obviously being right down the road from the Courage and NCFC, um, I have no problem being a homer mm-hmm. uh, and being all for, all for the hometown team. Um, being from New England, I'm partial to the Revolution. Um, I have all their updates on my phone, um, and I get the the transfer data and mm-hmm. scores and all of that. Um, if the game is on, I'll absolutely watch the watch them. I don't have like I don't have a jersey, and, mm-hmm. you know, scarf and all of that. You're not that dedicated, but
0: you but you keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I have you know the NCFC jersey and. Railhawks jersey from back when and uh, Courage shirts and, and stuff like that so I mean I'm I'm absolutely pro triangle professional soccer mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, New England Revolution would be my my stateside MLS support though Atlanta United. <laughs> Cause they've been fun to watch huh? Absolutely I, I know a couple of I know a couple of friends or I have a couple of friends that live in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area and they're always posting like videos from inside the stadium and it's just like it's bananas. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like that's the that's the atmosphere that should be soccer. Like that's mm-hmm. how soccer should be celebrated. Um, I've never been, but that's going to a, a game in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, that's, that's, it. that's on that's on that's on my to do mm-hmm. list.
0: So do you think the revolution are ever going to get their own stadium or, or do you think, or do you think there will, unless they sell off, sell yeah. different owner, do you think they'll move out of Gillette? Um, cause they like, they like to always kind of tease that they, they want their own stadium, yeah. but they never, it's never nothing concrete to,
1: again, it's a business thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they're happy being there and you know, uh, Robert Kraft owning the Patriots, like he's cool with them being there. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like seeing the, um, like when I watch a Rebs game, I don't particularly like seeing the, like the 50 yard line, <laughs> and then all the lines down the field. I think that that's kind of tacky. That's not really like a professional, um, a professional soccer mm-hmm. atmosphere. Uh or product um, so I'd love to see them be at their own facility and have it be as crazy and awesome and personal and like intimate as as soccer should be um, but I don't have any yay or nay mm-hmm. it's, it's not really it's not really up to me to decide I don't think they will get one anytime soon again because of the business thing but oh, it's just one of those things mm-hmm. yeah
0: I just want to say thank you to Christopher Hanks uh, for letting me sit down and take a couple minutes out of his uh, afternoon. Uh, he's a very busy individual, and I just want to say thank you uh, for that great interview. Um, and guys, I have several more interviews uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. I might try to roll out uh, one a week. Um, I uh, ho- was hoping I could get this interview out very quickly uh, as soon as I record it. Initially, but uh, when I went back to edit some of the audio and to uh, add in some of this extra stuff, I accidentally uh, put in my cord into my microphone the wrong way, and then when I turned my microphone up facing forward, I uh, the cord kind of bent uh, funky and it, and it broke. Um, And it broke some of the wires, I guess, on the inside of it. So my microphone wasn't really connecting with my uh, laptop. Um, So I had to wait a couple days to get it to uh, wait for the new cord to come in. So now that I have a new cord, I'm going to be extra careful with it, and I'm going to get some more interviews out for you guys in the future. And if there's anyone you guys want me to interview here in the Triangle, just give me a shout on Twitter, or you can shoot me an email. Uh, You can email questions to the show to me as well at BullCitySoccerShow at gmail.com. That is BullCitySoccerShow at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter. At Bull City Sock Show. That is Bull City SOC Show. Thank you guys and tell your friends.